Hi, you're listening to K is for Kinky, and we're your friendly neighborhood kinksters, Jen and Eden. And today we're talking about femdom don'ts. Just imagine us giving the no-no finger right now. No, no. Hello, and welcome to the K is for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Hi, Eden. Hi, Miss Jen. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> are you still drinking your coffee? I am. <laughs> um, I really am excited for this topic today. First of all, the title Femdom Don'ts is very fun to say. Femdom Don'ts. It's femdom hard. Don'ts, femdom Don'ts. Femdom Don'ts. It's hard. Yeah. It's, you can't go past like Now four. I'm hearing Femdom Donuts. And now I want Femdom Donuts. <laughs> oh, uh, what does that mean? Don't answer that. I think it means a box of donuts <laughs> oh, that are for femdoms. There's so many euphemisms. <laughs> Oh my god, you're ruining my fun. I'm making it funner. You're a donut. You're a donut. You're a donut. Yeah, a donut. donut. <laughs> We've watched way too much Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I'm an idiot sandwich. Okay, let's keep moving on. Okay, <clears throat> we're not talking about donuts. Um, we are talking about behavior that we see or hear about from f- female dominance. And, you know, we, we spend some time and, and the community at large spends some time coming down on the male dominance a lot. Um, I wonder why that would be. For, you They're know, such most, innocent victims. Mainly for good reason, right? But there are so many examples of female dominance acting douchey and that's not okay. And that's what we want to call out today. Well, because this topic isn't just about femdom don'ts and like femdoms being dicks because like that's yes that is something that can happen and like being a douche is not gender specific um but we, the reason we really want to talk about this is not so much just based on the focal point of femdoms being dicks but specifically male submissives and people who are assigned male at birth being generally mistreated and um having to deal with some pretty horrific standards set by femdoms um so we're really talking about this conversation as it specifically pertains to AMAP people and male submissives. Um, Which we are not one of. So we just, disclaimer, this is sort of our observations of these situations happening. This episode contains a trigger warning because we're going to be talking um, about the mistreatment of a, a whole type of person, basically men, male submissives, and also AMAB. Um, people who are who identify as submissives, who may be non-binary, gender fluid, etc. Basically, anybody who is perceived as male-bodied or who's who is perceived as a man, um, we're going to be talking about ways in which they can be abused, exploited, and mistreated. So this could be very triggering for some people, and it's a more serious conversation. And this episode is something that you don't think it's good for your mental health to handle right now. Um, check out a different one that we've, we've done. We've got like a bajillion up there uh, or join us next week for our next topic. Not quite um, a bajillion, but there's a few. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be clear, there's nothing super duper explicit in terms of um, sexual assault or things like that, that are mentioned. Just the entire concept in general could be, especially if you have experienced being on the wrong end of douchedom. Uh, it could it could bring up memories for you and we just want to give you that extra warning just in case yeah so um as we continue with this episode we felt the need to trigger warning the entire thing so if you're still with us after this um you know uh we appreciate you and if not we still appreciate you and we'll see you next time here at k is for kinky i think the reason that this topic came up and the reason we want to talk about it today is because um i i do and i have pimped out the fact that i run an s-type support group for free called the s-word um i will keep a the link in the description um so that you can check it out if you're interested but the s-word caters to people who are you know submissive switches not sure as long as you're not a d-type who is strictly speaking only on the left side of the slash, this is a place you can come to get support. And there is a trend that has occurred over my time, you know, operating this group that really concerns me. Um, And it's just that when we get male submissives, 
a very common story that comes up is that they were just horribly mistreated by a female dom and didn't know where to go to talk about it and weren't sure what to do to get support. Um, Another common theme is I left the scene for a year after I was abused and I'm only now trying to come back in, but I don't know where to go or what to do because I'm afraid of it happening again. And this is a really, really common thing. If this had only happened a couple times, I would be sad for those individuals, but I wouldn't see it as a, like, what's it called? A systemic problem. But I think there is a systemic, a systemic issue in the scene that female doms, aka femdoms, are allowed and even encouraged to mistreat male submissives and um, AMAP people. And I really believe this is something that's happening and it does concern me. And I have had men come up and talk to me about this um, because it's not openly discussed very often. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sitting and pondering really quickly, trying to think about how often you do hear about this kind of thing. I mean, years ago, I, I taught a class with a male submissive friend of mine, ours, Um about and this topic was involved in that class and it might come up here and there um it might come up in just like personal conversations but yeah I don't think it's something that I see a huge focus on in the scene in general so in my mind there are a couple of ways that we can talk about this topic the first is focusing on the femdoms themselves and on women in general the perception of femaleness and the allowances that many women get or many AFAB people get to behave in certain ways that don't match what their conduct should be based on what we say we care about ethically, right? So for instance, we will treat a man very harshly for being a dick, as we should, but a woman might do the exact same behavior and she will get a free pass. And this is something that is especially problematic in the scene within the context of female doms and usually male submissives um, or, you know, AMAP people, but you also do see femdoms treating, you know, women or AFAB people this way as well. The other part of looking at this, another way of looking at this conversation is looking at the the male S-types or the AMAP people and trying to understand what's going on on their end. Um, and then finally, the third way we can talk about this is why on earth are we in a culture and are we in an environment where we are allowing this? Because ultimately, this is a community-wide issue. This is not just a couple of bad apples acting poorly. This, this is why I say I believe it's a systemic issue in the scene. There's something going on here that is a lot more insidious and a lot darker. And I want to talk about that. So we have those three ways of approaching. Um, let's get down to business. So one of the things that I find that can lead to some of this is the fact that, and we see this everywhere, at least in our community, the female dom is a a scarcer resource we have it's prevalent with male doms right um we got we got plenty of those um throw a rock hit a male dom (laughs) um but just as a numbers game we don't have as many female doms and so you know given that it it is something that you know i think for a male sub to come in who is specifically looking for a female dom because some may be open to, you know, any, anybody, um, that they connect with. But for those who are straight (laughs) and looking for a woman, right. They're coming in going, Oh, there's like this small pocket of, of female dominance. And so I guess I have to just one connect at least somewhat to one of the ones that I can see. And two, if there are pieces that don't feel good to me, I'll just put up with it because I want to be with a female dominant. Um, and there's this idea of it's a, it's a, it's a harder thing to come by. And so I'm going to settle or I'm going to put up with things that aren't healthy. Um, and I think, you know, that can definitely be, taken advantage of by female dominance they can look at that and go yeah you know what you got you got slim pickings and so I I can just come in and 
right off the bat, either, you know, treat you as if you are less than or push a dynamic without consent. Um, and either I can do that as, as taking advantage of you, or I can do that from a place of you're just going to see it as like sexy. So I'm going to just roll with that and I'm going to get away with it. And that's kind of, I think one of the issues in terms of why we also don't see these male submit, and this isn't all right. We're, we're not, (laughs) we're not, we're doing broad stroke stereotypes and observations here. But I think that that's why you see male submissives kind of putting up with shit that they don't deserve. As an AFAB person, I have not found female doms or AFAB doms to be a limited resource to me. I have found myself having pretty easy of a time interacting with and um, having scenes with AFAB people. And um, there is something to say about that. And I kind of wanted to interject a thought that I've had, um, uh, I guess it's a hypothesis that I have. But a lot of women and a lot of AFAB people are inherently distrustful of men and AMAP people, but specifically men, cis men. It's very reasonable for a lot of us to be distrustful because we are constantly harassed and treated abusively by men. And that's just the reality. Um, I've met a lot of uh, female doms and AFAB doms who they just aren't looking for cis men because they are concerned about having to interact with them. They're concerned about having to deal with sexism from them, concerned with having to deal with some of the harder parts that can come with having to basically retrain or put up with um, behavior from cis men. So I do want to say, like, there is also it's not just that there may be a limited resource, there may be a limited number of women or AFAB people who are willing to have a male submissive because of being mistreated. So there, there are multiple sides of this. Or even if they haven't been mistreated specifically by male submissives, they may be traumatized by the way they've been treated by men. You know, and some people are unable even to understand this person is AMAB, but they're non-binary. And they aren't going to be the same as a cis man. They still can't even separate that. They just see male bodies as threatening. So this is not, I don't think, the biggest cause, but I did want to throw it into the equation of, you know, I think there is trust that needs to be earned often by male submissives because femdoms and and female dominance and AFAB dominance may, may have already been kind of burned you know, and I think that I, I've heard that argument on behalf of female doms before where, well, of course I make men who approach me do a bunch of things to prove they want to be here. Of course I do that because I'm often treated as a kink dispenser. Of course I make them, you know, buy me things. And of course I put them through the ringer to see if they really want to stick around. And of course I have a set of like 20 lists of rules that I make them have to abide by before I'll even consider taking them on. You know, I've, I've definitely heard that argument. And while I don't like that argument when it's used to justify abusive behavior, I do want to kind of present it and hold space for the fact that some people are trying to protect themselves because they've been harmed before. It's interesting. I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. Um, although I do see heteronormativity still being the majority. Um, even if you reverse the roles in terms of, you know, female identified dominant and, you know, whichever, however identified submissive, I still see more of the heterosexual couplings that happen. Well, it could just Um, be that my experience is predominantly queer because I seek queer, I don't seek queer people, but I am queer. I'm a queer person. I tend to draw queer people to me. I go to queer people. I don't know. Like, yeah, so that's the thing. I think our personal experience and people we're surrounded by might be a little different than the community as a whole. Um, I also think that, you know, your experience, because I know we've talked about this before, where you're like, what do you mean there's a scarcity of female dominance? Because when you came in, you know, you met me right away and I was associated with Sanctuary, which has pro femdoms and people I knew that then you met that you were also surrounded. So it seemed like, oh, 
there's so many femdoms, right? And so I think, you know, it might seem less scarce to you, again, because of our personal circles. Um, well, part of what I am suggesting, though, is, yes, I mean, experientially, I had a very specific path that is not common, but I am a fab. I'm also femme presenting, and I, no matter what I do, I'm read as feminine, but I, I'm not necessarily bothered by that, but I'm simply saying that that is a sort of key that unlocks a lot of doors for me with femdoms. I think there are a lot of femdoms who would rather play with women, even if they're not queer, they're more comfortable playing with women than they are automatically playing with men. They put men through more stringent vetting and they look at men differently because of the way that they've had been treated by men or the way that they know men can be or they presume that men will be i think it's a completely different world for female submissives and afab submissives than it is for amap submissives and male submissives um, and i think some of it has to do with honestly societal trauma if you are f- female or afab at the hands often of male-bodied people usually cis men but there is so much sexism in the world that we, we have to carry those burdens into the scene. So it is a complex web when we start to discuss why is this happening? Because there is clearly a lack of abundance for male submissives when they come into the scene and they're looking for a female dom. That is the most common thing I hear is there's not enough female doms. Where are the female doms? I can't find female doms. Like, what's going on? Like, men struggle. And I have heard, like, even the, you know, we mentioned our friend, but, like, I, it always seems to have been a very competitive environment for male submissives. And when you have this limited resource, because I do agree, I think it is a limited resource. Even if there are more women and, and AFAB people who top than there appear to be, many of those AFAB people and those women will not engage with cis men without a lot of contingencies. So even if, let's say that there's... 10 out of 50 people in a room who are female tops, maybe only seven of those 10 will even consider playing with a male, an AMAB person or a cis male. I I think that's possibly true. I don't know. We're guessing. We haven't, we haven't done the research. We don't have numbers, (laughs) but I'm saying that if, if we presume that it's possible that an already limited resource is even more limited, if you are AMAB or male submissive, we are really looking at a precarious situation because suddenly presuming that I am, sort of on the money here we really truly have a very small percentage of people who are able to essentially make the rules about how they're going to be interacting with an entire population and while that sounds positive like it sounds good like hey let's give those seven femdoms you know the power to set their own terms uh and the power to kind of like pick and choose out of a hundred male submissives what a great world for those seven femdoms right but when those seven femdoms or let's say five out of those seven femdoms decide, oh my God, I can literally do anything I want. This is literally my universe. So I'm going to demand that men buy me hundreds of dollars worth of things before I go on a date with them. They're going to take me everywhere I want to go. I'm going to call on them to drive me places and I'm not going to give them anything in response, anything in return, no affection, no security. Their wants and needs will not be met. Only mine will. And I'm going to tell them that's female dominance and they're going to do it for me because I can call the shots because it's my world. When you start to see the mindset of this already very tiny population um, shaping what is possible and when male submissives learn or AMAB people learn, this is how I will be treated when interacting with female doms. I can expect to be exploited. Like the most common thing I hear is uh, the demand for money to be spent, which is crazy to me. I get it from pro-doms because they're literally selling services. They're like, you know, well, spend even, money. <laughs> I want to talk about pro-doms because... You don't or you do? I do because, yeah. yes, if it is work-related, that's understandable. They're offering a service. Right. But I have also seen pro-femdoms who went out in a social setting, um, not selling their services, but just out at a munch or wherever treating a male submissive like they are in service to them just because they're submissive and they are a female dominant and maybe even feel more entitled because it is their job and so that starts to seep into the rest of their life that they do things that are that are not consensual you know i mean i've seen i've i've with my own eyes witnessed 
a fairly powerful female dom. I say powerful not as in like, what a powerful beast. She is the epitome of femdom, but more so like she has amassed a lot of control in her community and she has a lot of power and capital, like social capital. I've seen somebody uh, treat a male D-type like he is a submissive and demand that he do something for her. And when he said no, because he didn't like being spoken to that way, she said some sort of comment like, she, she basically suggested that he ought to and that she as a female dom, she somehow had power that all men are the same, that all men are eventually essentially can be boiled down to their sexual appetites and a desire to serve women. Like it was a very, if a man said that to a woman, it would be disgusting. Oh, well, and there's a lot of, of men who, um, they do that. Yeah. Who, who yeah. Who you haven't like the want right to, dom. you know, break down the, the female dominant because all she really wants is to be submissive to the right man. Like that's, yeah, that's a thing. That's a gross sexism, but yeah. isn't it also equally gross to see the same thing in reverse? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like that's, we see it on both sides, you know, but the thing is like, it hurts to see this on both sides because I don't think it's the norm in the world at large that women are turning tables on hapless men, but that's not a narrative that is real. That's actually a damaging narrative. Um, you know, typically women are still struggling with, you know, pay inequality, with with sexism on a daily basis. I mean, we are completely treated differently. We don't even have abortion rights that are guaranteed at this point. Our bodies are being discussed by, you know, the powers that be on a constant basis. White cis men. Yeah, it's it's not <laughs> it's not a woman's world, generally speaking. But in the scene, in this particular tiny environment where we are seeing this reversal of power go so extreme where like I said like the thought experiment I gave where you know only 10 out of 50 people in a room are femdoms seven of those are actually willing to play with male submissives and ABAP people and of those seven five of the seven are willing to be abusive and willing to exploit the situation because they can like that's really kind of I think a fair representation of what we're seeing as a pattern and it seems to typically be aimed at male submissives and AMAP people. I say AMAP people because we know AMAP submissives who are not male. They're not cis. They even present when they can femininely because that's how they choose to present. Not that you have to if you're but AMAP. But if the dominant sees them as... If they see them as male, yeah. if they see that they're male-bodied, the treatment is completely different. I have heard male S-types, specifically male S-types, talking about female doms they've encountered who were kind as if those women are saints. I have a friend who I've been communicating with for a couple of years now, and I'm not a femdom, but I am more dominant around him. Like my energy is more naturally dominant with him. And he's one of the first people that made me kind of realize, I think I'm a switch, you know? Um, but he is so kind, so loving, and so almost relieved to be interacting with a woman or, well, I mean... I'm AFAB, right? And I'm womanish, so we'll just call me a woman, <laughs> woman adjacent. But to be treated like a person whose emotions and needs matter, this is something that he is like praising me for almost. And as kind as that is to be acknowledged for being kind, it should not be unusual. It should be the norm. We should, as a rule, be treating each other in the scene, no matter what your gender is, as equals and as valuable humans. And this, 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 this is an actual issue of autonomy to me and of human rights, demanding that a male S-type buy you food, demanding they pay for your gas, demanding they buy you shoes, demanding they buy you clothes, demanding they buy you makeup, and having the demand for money to be given to you as a contingency for access to you. Unless you're selling services and this is a financial exchange, that's all that it's meant to be. If you are actually trying to court somebody or they're approaching you as if they maybe want to have a relationship with you and all you're really interested in is money and that's clearly all you are ever interested in, to me that's exploitative. And it's also different from being open to the acceptance of tribute that's different. Right? That's like saying that's, I'm open. Yeah. It's saying like, I just don't want people to think that we're coming down on femdoms or anybody who is like, hey, like if you want another way to show me that you're serious or to show appreciation, here's a thing that I'm open to that I appreciate, um, but it's not like used against you and that kind of thing. 
Um, I've even seen, so like some examples, you know, in person physically, oh gosh, years and years and years ago at a munch, there was a, a male submissive and there was a female dominant who also happened to be a pro. Um, this was not a pro event. This was just a munch. And she knew that, uh, this guy was, and he's a friend of mine, um, was a, was a male sub. And so she just decided in the middle of the munch to use his lap. I think this was what happened. He used his lap as a footstool. And he was like, excuse me, <laughs> this, no, this is not, get your feet off me, you know? Um, now, fortunately, like he's been around a while. He had a voice. He said something um, after he and I made some eye contact that communicated what the fuck uh, from across the, <laughs> the table. But, um, you know, I wonder, did she just think it was okay um, has she had experiences before that, that she quote unquote got away with it. So therefore in her mind, it was okay. Was it sort of the, uh, pro dom energy seeping in <laughs> and making its way out into non pro worlds? I don't know, but I could have seen that same scenario happen with, let's say a newer male S type or an S type with a voice that wasn't quite as strong or confident going, okay, well, I guess this is, uh, this is how this goes. Like she's the dominant and uh, you know, she's also cute. So I'm just going to let this happen. Well, I actually think about this a lot because before I came into the scene, I had never really been exposed to conversations about consent and I had never been exposed to conversations about women specifically and ways that women can, violate consent, push consent, or cross boundaries with other people. Because usually in the vanilla world, I only heard consent violation uh, being discussed when it came to men. And I think that's a really common experience. And I also think that the vanilla world doesn't do a great job, or at least it didn't when I was growing up and exclusively in it, um, doesn't do a great job of talking about the importance of verbal communication and pre-negotiated consent. So we do get these situations where people will form relationships around taking the risk of violating consent on the off chance the person likes it. What do I mean by this? Let me, let me be more clear. Touching somebody's leg without consent when you're sitting in a movie theater with them to see if they'll let you, you rub their inner thigh and if they like that, that being your first sexual interaction or encounter. Leaning in to kiss somebody without consent or any discussion and hoping that they're okay with you kissing them. And if they are, that might be how your relationship begins. Like um, putting your foot up on somebody's lap to test out to see if they respond well to you because you hope that that means that they, they're your submissive or they might be interested in submitting later. You know, these are things that in my mind are all kind of the same type of category. None of them are okay. Many of them can turn out fine. Many of them can turn out horrific. Well, and this is, it's a really tough conversation because back in the day, um, <laughs> to, to make a quote unquote first move or to lean in and kiss somebody on, you know, after your first date or, you know, doing some of the things you're describing without first saying, do I have consent to kiss you now? Or do Can I, I have consent? Yeah. Whatever. Just whatever. Yeah. Do I have consent? But it, it was a thing that it was considered romantic to do those things, to, yeah. to show that. And so... It still is, by the way. It's well, not just yeah, a that's, marker. It's well, right now in my but day. But now, like before, the whole consent conversation was not as strong. No, it's, Nowadays, it's like, you know, wait, what? You touched their arm while you were talking about something excitedly but you didn't ask them first and it's like oh my god no way and so it's just a very the pendulum has has swung um i think and i'm not saying consent is bad obviously i'm all about consent but i think when it comes to some of these more subtle especially things that are more kind of romantical um <laughs> And not so, because like I see some of these things as a little bit different. Like I see going out on a first date, feeling like there's chemistry, and 
you know, slowly leaning in for a first kiss, giving enough time for somebody to be like, whoa, um, <laughs> but not necessarily saying, you know, do I have permission to kiss you, um, is different than being in a social situation and just treating somebody like a footstool because they're submissive and not having anything to do with a relationship or connection. They're different. And I also, I'm already imagining somebody listening to this podcast going, oh my God, Miss Jen is a consent pusher. What a violator. (laughs) And I do want to say, one, both of these situations, the leaning in for a kiss and testing out someone as your footstool without consent, both of these are boundary pushers. Both of them have risk involved and the risk is not only for you, but on the person that you are approaching who may or may not know how to say no. You risk violating consent. Um, and it is better, flat out. It is just better to right. not to play I safe. I don't push shit. No. I'm just pointing out societally, like, how things have shifted and difference. how things have changed. And I think probably if we have older listeners, they I, – I have met people and talked to people who are like, man, like, where there's no more – spontaneity there's no more romantic gesture there's no more seduction there's yeah um so i I just it's a it's a conversation it is a conversation and i kind of it's weird because i do want to represent that asking for consent is just safer and better and if that does mean losing some of the seduction in my mind it's a little bit of a so be it but i also do want to acknowledge that there are many people who still would prefer especially with romantic stuff, to sort of test the waters and feel it out and not have to verbally meta-communicate about what's about to happen. I understand that thought process is still out there, and I know the reason it still exists is because there are so many occasions where it goes well for people. And I think the reason that there is conversation surrounding about consent now is because there are also so many occasions where they don't go well, and that matters. Um, And it matters as well because this thought process of it's okay to try something out without communicating and if they don't like it they'll tell me to stop and I just won't do it again you know that thought process has permeated the vanilla culture of I can lean in for a kiss without asking to I think into the scene where I can start to do dynamic-y things I can start to act a certain way I can take a physical action even and as long as the person I read the situation right and the person likes it it was okay I think the ends justifies the means for a lot of people like that And that's when you start to see more and more abusive behavior. Honestly, I think it is an absolute slippery slope. And we are seeing in the scene with femdoms in particular, how this very thought process of if I try it out and there's no resistance, I can push harder without ever saying a word. And you combine that with them mostly avoiding resistance because, you know, yeah, the, the, the scarcity, right back to the scarcity. Exactly. And so it just reinforces that. Yeah. So now we're kind of getting into this topic of what is happening on a kind of global level in the scene that is allowing this to happen. Because uh, I think it's a couple of things. The first is sexism. 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 The sexisms. The first is sexism. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about this as a womanish person. I really like that as a womanish person. I'm a womanish I'm going to start saying that. I'm a woman-ish. I like that. That makes me happy. That's my new identity is woman-ish. Um, but as a woman-ish person. Wait, are your pronouns she, they-ish? I love that. <laughs> Shish. Shish. God, I'm so happy right now. Oh, it's Shish. Shish. I got to stop. Her-shish. I got to stop. Her-shish. I love that. Oh, my God. Can we make ish a pronoun? No. It's a neo pronoun. No, is my neo oh, pronoun no. ish? <laughs> I mean, we have monogamish. Yeah, so why can't I have womanish? Do what I want. Anyways, back to the topic. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> I will continue by saying there is this stereotype for women that is so common and usually viewed as positive. Um, and that stereotype is that women are um, pure, that they are inherently more ethical, uh, that they are closer to God. I'm not even joking. This is, a, this is something uh-huh. you see you see it in literary stuff. There are sometimes in literary, there are liter- literary patterns for women where the woman is like on this pedestal and the man is trying to uh, reach for that level, you know? So like, I think one of the examples that I could come up from a literary point of view would be like 
Dante's Inferno, the entire time he's trying to kind of like elevate himself to the point of this woman named, I think it's Beatrice, and um, whatever her name is, it's this beautiful woman that he's in love with, and this love for the woman is purifying him and allowing him to kind of see through all of these things. And, and a woman's love is almost compared to like God's love for the dirty, sinful man. There's just something holy about women who are pure. And this is something that's in our culture. I know it's a creepy thing to bring up right now, but there's a reason I'm bringing it up. Just okay. Get hang to in that. There with Get me. to the point. <laughs> hang in there with me, okay? So when we have this this weird, creepy image of women potentially being able to be so pure and so perfect that men have to attain her and also that the woman is responsible for taming the man. All right. This is like a very common trope, y'all. I'm telling you, even if you have never heard of it overtly before, you've seen it in stories. Okay. Um, you, you know, oh God, what's an example of this? Like, do we have any, any favorite? Think of, oh, here, Lucifer. The most recent thing that we were watching, uh, actually not recent, but like. Oh, Lucifer, the TV show? Lucifer, the TV show. Lucifer is an example. Thank you. <laughs> Lucifer is an example of a a woman who is pure, who is good hearted, who is beautiful, who is unattainable and also attainable. Well, Lucifer is an example of that. The chick in the show is the example of that. No, but Lucifer is the, is the, is the one who needs to be tamed. He's the wild one. He's the one right. who's doing all bad things and being with her and, and reaching for her is what purifies him. It saves his character. His soul becomes more human to us and he becomes more beautiful and approachable out of his inexplicable love for her. <gasps> Fifty Shades. Fifty Shades is actually another example of the trope. <laughs> yeah. Great job. It's a it's a poorly written example of the trope. But yes, Christian has to be tamed. His wild, sinful mm-hmm. man state can only By be elevated. literally a virgin. Yes, exactly. Woman. And like this virginal woman trope, it, it's why men tend to pedestal virginal women in, you know, very toxic heteronormative culture. That's where this idea comes from, right? Now, while many of us have escaped this very obvious version of the trope, we see it more insidiously permeate our culture in a number of ways. And I think one of those ways is this weird belief that we have inside of ourselves, not everybody, but many of us have this weird belief that women cannot be as predatory as men. Women cannot be as violent as men. Women cannot rape. Women cannot murder or kill in the same bloodthirsty way. Women cannot be as sadistic as men because men are the ones who go that dark. But women are inherently somehow more pure of mind and less capable of these types of things. And you might think, why would I want to undo that stereotype that benefits women? It does not. It's the same exact thought process that leads people to say women can't be dominance. Men are also allotted the ability to be dominant. But women are supposed to be meek and submissive and pure and virginal and all of these fucking things. Where do we see that coming into the scene today? Well, femdom can't be as abusive as a male dom. They can do the same action, but it's less abusive. That's not true, by the way, but we see it in practice happening all around us in the scene. This is a systemic problem that goes right down to the root of sexism. But instead of the sexism being used against women in this case it's used to blind us to 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 the reality the harsh ugliness that there are femdoms in our community right now who are acting abusively predatorily and exploitatively towards male submissives and amap people and we paint it as innocent lighthearted or less bad because they are perceived as women because they are female-bodied we hold them to a different standard. That is sexism. And because it probably works for them more often. Exactly. Which just keeps perpetuating the issue. Well, and on this thing of it works for them more often, women's bodies and everything that we do, um, womenish people like me, non-binary people, AFAB people, our bodies are sex to a lot of people. Our actions are sexy. We can do some crazy fucking shit and it's just hot. Like if I was like... This is going to sound really weird, but like if I flashed my boobs to a crowd of 100 people, I might not go to jail. If a man flashed his dick to a crowd of 100 people, he would go to jail. If he flashed his dick to a crowd of one person, he would go to jail. Women can do different things with their body, and it's simply perceived as titillating. <laughs> LOL. Um, but like this is also a thing. It's yet again, it's sexism. A woman can kick a man in the chest push him to the ground, step on him, look down and say, 
Do you like that big boy? And he might be horrified, but also maybe aroused and go, I guess this is how I'm supposed to be treated. And everyone around watches the situation. And only some people might say that was wrong. Well, but also, Some people might say that was hot. And also men have been conditioned to not speak out against those types of things. I mean, we could go, we can pull back to like teacher student shit right that happens and when you hear about you know a boy in school having sex with his female teacher you know half the people are like at a boy go That's, for it there's a south park and episode th- about this oh <laughs> okay it's horrible um <laughs> oh gosh um but yeah so it's like <clears throat> there's this at a boy thing where that message that 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 boy takes in is oh this this is supposed to be a positive thing even if it wasn't for them it's like well this is supposed to be a good thing so i'm not going to fight against it also if i were to say that this hurt me i become a victim and being a victim as a man is seen as the most emasculine thing you can be in our culture so in order to protect masculinity and personhood and and a sense of dignity men will often not they won't say that they were hurt, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's this other. It's, well, they're it's a less really, likely to report. When, when we the see stage. these two dark sides combine, that's when you get what we're talking about here in the scene where femdoms can behave atrociously and male doms are not protected, nor do they speak out. Very, or male submissive. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> male submissives are not protected and they don't they don't they're not likely to speak out, um, you know, because we have this one side of the coin where women are allowed to do a lot of things that men would never be allowed to do. And at worst, it's seen as overly sexual behavior, but it's not necessarily seen as predatory. And meanwhile, we have men on the other side of this coin or a map people who have been conditioned not to speak, conditioned not to process sexual assault as anything other than a positive advancement. And in the scene too, it's usually small enough where there might be that fear of, well, if I speak out against this femdom, are they all going to talk and yeah. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to have any interest in me by any anybody. Like it's going to yeah. lower my chances even more. Well, and, and to me, what's mind blowing about all of this conversation ultimately is that when you look at women, when we were in, well, there are many women alive today in different cultures, and different places that are currently living this hell. But I'm specifically speaking of like America and I'm kind of looking like in, in, in the past there have been times when women were so silenced um, and so at risk of of being harmed or ostracized that they were afraid to speak out against any sort of male violence or inequality. They were they were conditioned to be afraid. Um, I mean, I think of witch trials specifically, where if you were not a woman who could conform, if you stuck out in any way, if you were a spinster, if you were anything, if you were not feminine enough, if you stopped being able to produce children, you were at risk of being accused of witchcraft. I'm talking about this because in a very bizarre way, we are seeing the same type of silencing and the same type of powerlessness impacting male submissives with femdoms in our community. It's this weird inversion of the trope. Um, And again, I I don't think we see this in other vanilla culture, but the reason I want to point at this and really shine a light on it, besides the fact that one, I, I am so sick and tired of femdoms mistreating male submissives and AMAP people. It hurts my heart. I mean, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm not speechless. I'm never speechless. (laughs) LOL. (laughs) Nope. But I don't know how to verbalize the pain of hearing from a male-bodied person, whether they are male or not, whether they are cis or not, that they feel overlooked, that they have been sexually assaulted, that their boundaries or their hard limits were violated in scenes, that they've been emotionally, mentally, and physically abused. And no one has helped them. Or just disrespected. I disrespected mean, it doesn't always have to one. be a, a, you know, the, that extreme. But even just the, the amount of disrespect and entitlement that comes across. You know? As somebody who is a feminist, as somebody who has experienced various forms of, of bigotry, how could I or any of us know this is happening 
and not say something about it and not try to change what's happening in our community? How could this possibly be allowed to be a silent issue? I guess that's the outrage that I feel, the sadness that I feel, and the anger that I feel sometimes with female dominance. You know, and that's hard, by the way, because I don't want to feel angry at female dominance as there are apparently so few of them. (laughs) And I especially love dominant female energy. I'm very attracted to it. But I am horrified when I see female dominance abusing male submissive specifically. I have actually been as a female-bodied submissive, a womanish submissive, treated well by a female dominant and then watched her turn around and treat a male submissive differently. It's, it's very discouraging because to me, feminism specifically is about human rights. It's about people not being oppressed by gender. That's my personal opinion about what feminism can and should be. So when you attack a male submissive or you demean a male submissive or an AMAB person simply because you perceive they are male to your eyes, you are no better than, than, than a man putting a woman down. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of going off on a thing. So I'm just like, I, can I was, we bring up the, the recent example? Yeah. Generally speaking. Um, yeah. So kind of what spurred on this as a topic today was actually um, a good friend of ours uh, talking about an experience that they had just yesterday, I think. Um, and it was an online situation. We haven't even talked about like the online messages and, and stuff like that. I mean, we've, we've talked about the general concepts and some of the in-person stuff. Um, they had somebody... I guess, start to, to message them, uh, you know, female dominant and just not only said things that were hard limits, but didn't, from what we read anyway, didn't even seem to care that they were a hard limit. <laughs> like once they, once our friend told her, like, like, that's not, that's not something I identify with. Like, this is not okay. I feel like she just sort of steamrolled that. It was like, well, you know, if you're going to reject me, too bad for you because, you know, I am just I'm the best thing. You. Yeah, I'm, I'm gracing, gracing you, you with, with my, my with my time and you're so lucky that I reached out to you. And it's like, it couldn't be farther from the truth. And that's what's so ridiculous. It's like that that sense of entitlement of I am like God's gift to AMAP people dominance and, and yeah it's like it's just well, like laughable and and and, it, and that's what I mean by you know just the the incredible disrespect you know and and they're showing the exact opposite and yes we can say that about you know male identified doms as well right but we're not looking at them today and we have and we will in yeah, the future but <laughs> But it's that that whole sense of of you know, and I think more even more of the entitlement from from female doms because they know that their numbers are less, and this idea of you would be lucky to serve me. It's or like a you- monopoly. They're like the Disneyland. <laughs> Of like types in the scene. They're like, we can charge $500 a ticket because we're yeah. Disney doms. Like, yeah. Know. And that $500 is in, you know, actual emotional, well, actual money, but also <laughs> not also just, you know, other types of investment. And it's just, it, it's sad because they're doing the exact opposite like they are showing the exact opposite thing they are trying to say essentially honestly if you are one of those people out there who believe in matriarchal society which i am curious about the concept but i personally i'm one of those people who thinks that absolute power corrupts absolutely no matter what your gender is or what your intentions are if you are not checked and there isn't a sense of like accountability everybody's going to fuck it up. That's just a personal belief. But let's just say the matriarchy is well-balanced and all this shit, and you're a matriarchy person. There are ways to do it healthily, I'm sure. But um, if you believe that women should have power over all men and that all men should be submissive, which I have 100% heard that argument at least once from somebody, okay? If you believe that women, at the very least, should just have most of the power, whether or not men are submissive or not, if you believe that, 
what's the responsibility on you if you're going to take all that power to treat people fairly? If you think that you deserve it and you feel entitled, I would argue you're also responsible. That's a lot of responsibility. You're responsible for actually caring for people. If the first thing you do when you decide that you are the goddess of the universe is to treat everybody around you like pieces of shit, especially men. And why do you deserve that level of, what am I looking for? Pedestal. Why, why do you deserve being on that pedestal? Exactly. I mean, the only, if women are truly superior to men, which I don't agree with, but that's, there, is a, there is a discourse out there that says women are. If women are truly superior and yet we take power and the first thing we do with it is abuse it, we are 0% different. There is no difference between us at that point. You're actually, by being abusive with power, if you are a femdom or a woman in general and you are abusing power, you are proving You're the proving women, the opposite. Yeah, you're proving that women are no better than men. I mean, I, again, I'm not actually here for the argument that women are. I think that all human beings can be excellent regardless of gender and that everyone should strive for the same excellence and standards and ethics and integrity. But if you want to say that there is a difference in gender ability to lead, you should actually be leading and not obliterating and harming the people who are supposedly going to be your followers. That's not leadership. You know, so that it also offends me on every level from every, even if I, I don't even agree with the argument that women should have total power over men, but it still logically offends me because well, it's, it's so, it's, it's so counterproductive. Swing, right. It's, it's for so long men have held the power. And so, so they deserve to be abused. No, I'm not what, saying you. No, no, no. I'm that's what like, I'm saying is that people take it and they go, well, no, women should have the power. That's the pendulum swing. And it's a, it, to the opposite side, right? I mean, I'd and be fascinated about, to see women in, more women in positions of more power. More power, yes. Yeah. But it's that, that opposite totalitarian, to, what am I trying to say? It's I that, think totalitarianism could be that, something that you want to, you just go for tyranny? Are we going for tyranny? You know. Um, All but the T words. Going, you know, basically going in the opposite direction as far as you can go is a very typical response. But eventually that pendulum needs to come back towards center. Yeah. And so it's not so much about, you know, women having more power than they have had. Please give us more power. It's Dear not, God. Right. It's about avoiding seeing it as I deserve all the power just because. And I still deserve it Even when if I I'm use a shithead. It. Yeah, I'm going to be a <laughs> shitty person and you just have to take it because I'm a woman. Like that is this mindset that and I... You need me because there's not many of us. Yeah, so. this is, by the way, like I have heard fra- fragile cis men be like, this is what will happen if women get power. They'll put us down. I've heard fragile cis men use the exact argument that we're shining a light on right now, being like, this will be the world if women have power. And obviously that's fucking ridiculous. Like, that's what bothers me. It's sort of the same thing that bothers me when, like, somebody is shitty and proves an argument that is a false argument, and then the opponents can now say, here's an example of us being right. As opposed to the reality in this case, like women having power is a good thing. It could be beneficial on, on a large scale to have more of a matriarchal society that focuses on different things than the patriarchal society we're in. That could potentially work. We don't know. I don't know if it'll happen. I'm interested in the concept. Well, but now we have an example where there are people who are saying they care about matriarchy, but they're treating it like a patriarchy. They're doing the same things that the patriarchy's done. Having more power and everybody being responsible about the power they have and hold, regardless of gender, that right there, I think, is is the key. Yeah. Is, you know, what is it with with great power comes great responsibility and whoever holds power. And we're we talk a lot about obviously power exchange, and that is hopefully consensual, (laughs) negotiated, agreed upon power exchange and power differential. But when you hold any kind of power at all, regardless of gender, making sure that you understand that it is a responsibility and it doesn't give you the go ahead to treat people badly just because you hold it. To wrap it up, I want to give some gifts 
to any male submissive submissives listening or any AMAP people listening. The first is the knowledge that your needs and wants matter. And if you aren't getting any of your wants met in a relationship, that's something to look at. Your bodily autonomy is yours. I would say the same thing to any person, especially women. But you have a right to say yes or no to who touches your body and how. You do not have to have sex when you don't want to. You saying I don't want something to happen to me in a scene should be respected no matter what. And the other gift I want to give you is the knowledge that while it might be true that there are fewer femdoms available to you, you deserve somebody in your life who respects you as a human being and who is still able to engage with you in your fetishes and also see you as a person. These are all things that I want male submissives to hear and that I want AMAP people to hear and to believe and to hold. Well, and I wanted to put in a couple of extra shout outs, call out, call, call outs. What did, what did you call it? I don't know, call to actions. Call to actions. It is A-OK and in my opinion, mandatory for you to set boundaries and to hold them. It is okay to say no. And to the doms, just like we would tell anybody else, until something else has been negotiated, everyone else is a human being. Male S-types, human beings. Yeah. All of that. Um, I hope this topic gave you food for thought. Because, again, I I don't think it's discussed very often. And I, I do want to actually interview male submissives and hear their voices on this. And I realize, you know, we are speaking about a population of people that we are not a part of. Um, But I also do feel like it kind of might take women or womanish people like myself calling out other women or womanish people um, for others to listen. It's quite possible that femdoms who are acting this way, because not every femdom does, by the way, there are some excellent femdoms out there. You know, I'm certainly not coming down on all femdoms because... Whew, man, you I live would, with one. I live with one. And again, that's that's one of the primary types of person I'm attracted to. But um, oh God, now I'm just thinking about disappointing all femdoms. But sorry. Um, <laughs> but I think I think sometimes femdoms might actually need to hear this from other women, women and womanish people for it to hit. In the same way that, unfortunately, some men won't listen to women complain. But if a man says it again, they're like, oh, I do get that now. Like, it might take hearing somebody who is um of the same gender or a similar gender orientation to i don't fucking know like afabish like or other female dominance to say hey like you're you're, being kind of a dick. you're yeah you're not acting right and to the you know submissives out there the male submissives amab submissives non-binary submissives like i i've seen it and i hate it it, just because you come across one of these femdoms that is entitled and douchey, there are others out there who are not. So <laughs> please just know that. Understand that if you have had that experience while you are not probably alone, there is there is a light uh, at the end of that tunnel in terms of there are good female dominance and our hope, I think, is that the ones who are acting a little entitled and douchey will just stop it. Just stop. <laughs> we'll, we'll just As we'll, said we'll to at the... some point, you know, recognize their behavior yeah. and write themselves a bit. As we said to the creepers, just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> um, we're going to close out this episode by letting you know that we think you're awesome. If you have thoughts about this, we'd love to hear them. Go ahead and send us an email at... Uh, K is for kinky, J-E, at gmail.com. And we would be absolute terrible hosts if we did not uh, highlight some amazing people who made this podcast possible. Tussled is awesome and takes notes for us. We appreciate you, Tussled. Tussled also helps us direct our content. Where would we be without them? Sid is also great. Sid made our website, which is almost ready to go live. Or possibly by the time this episode airs, it is live. We'll have to see. You, you tell me. You tell me. Maybe once it's live, we'll pop in a... We'll, we'll do an insert thing saying, hey, it's live. This is so long. <laughs> and then finally, we have Lena. Lena is wonderful and helps us manage our Discord. And it's also just honestly like a super fan. And Lena, just the light of my life. 
That's, that's a lot. <laughs> no pressure, Lena. We really appreciate her. We, of course, want to shout out Pudding because Pudding gets a shout out every time. Because Pudding's a Call Me Kinkling, that's why. Yes, Call Me Kinklings get a shout out every episode. Um, and also, our newest patron, Kat. Thank you, Kat, so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Talk to you next time on here. K is for Kinky. <laughs> you forget our name? No. All right. Be well, precious Kinklings. Bye. Bye.